Morning, everybody. Hare Krishna. Those of you who are in the process of getting ready to go to work, getting ready to get kids off to school, we thank you for spending a little time with us, joining us for the Srimad Bhagavatam Discourse here at Radhakalachanji Dam, Dallas, Texas. We know that many of you are not able to be here personally, like some fortunate souls as we are, take darshan directly of their lordships, Shishiradhayakalachanji. So it's nice to know that you're with us, just not visible at the present moment. Uh, this morning, um, after a little introductory material, we're going to be uh, uh, finishing up chapter 10 of the of the 12th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. We're going to be focusing on texts 35 through 42. In other words, we're going all the way to the end of the chapter with a narration about the life and times of Markandeya Rishi. Great soul. But first of all, invocation to the Supreme Lord. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Gopi Janda Vallabha Girivaradhari Yashuranandana Brajajana Ranjana Yashuranandana Brajajana Ranjana Yamuna Tiravanachari Jamunati Dabanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Vishnupada Padamahamsa Padibhidaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Sri Srimada's Divine Grace Apoye Charanadavinda Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Dayom Vishnupada Padamahamsa Padibhidaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Sri Srimada's Divine Grace Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Gosami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Jai Jayum Ananta Koti Vaishnavrind Ki Jai Iskan BBT Foundra Charda Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Iskan Guru Parampara Ki Jai Sri Rupa Sri Sanatan Bhattaraganat Sri Jiva Gopal Bhattadasaraganat Sat Gosami Prabhu Ki Jai Nama Charda Srila Harirasta Kur Ki Jai 
Premje Goshi Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunitanda Shir Vaitukaradha Shivasa di Gaura Bhaktarindaki Jai Shishi Radha Krishna Gopakopinat Shamakun Radakun Giri Govardhanaki Jai Shri Vandavandam ki jai Shri Maturadam ki jai Shri Mayapur Navadritam ki jai Shri Jagannath Puridam ki jai Shri Shri Radha Kalachanjidam ki jai Ganga Devi ki jai Jamunumai ki jai Tulsi Devi ki jai Bhakti Devi ki jai Sambaveda Bhakti Vrinda ki jai Brihat Badanga Transcendental Book and Prasharam Distribution ki jai Nitai Gora Premananda Hari Haribo All glories to the Assembled Devotees All glories to the Assembled Devotees Hari Krishna All glories to the Assembled Devotees Hari Krishna All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru Sri Goranga Amo Vishnabhadaya Krishna Pastaya Bhutale Shambhati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Niti Namane Namaste Saraswati Deva Gaurabhade Pachanine Nivasesya Sinivari Vishyatidesatarine Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam namaskritya naram chayvanarottamam devin sarasvatim yasun tato jayam mudirayat nasta prayeshvabhadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya bhagavati uttama shloke bhakti bhavari nashtiki rantara simar bhagavatam ki jai anantakoti vaishnavan ki jai So once again, today, we're concentrating on the 10th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, 10th, 12th chapter of the 12th canto. 12th canto, chapter 10, and we will be reciting text number 35 through 42, ending the chapter number 10 regarding the pastimes of Sri Markandeya Rishi. So text number 35. You can uh, repeat. I'll recite the verse and then each line and then we'll repeat. Sutta Huvacha Ityarchito Bishtutascha Muninash Suktayagira Tam aha bhagavan charva sharvya cha binan let's do it again sharvaya cha binandita all right let's do it once again suto vacha Ityarchito bishtutascha munina suktaya gira tam aha bhagavan charva 
Sharvaya Chabinandita. Chat, please. those of you who are at home have your book in front of you and you're chanting along with us. Word for word translation. Sutta Uvacha Sutta Goswami said Iti in these words Archita worshipped Abhistuta glorified Cha and Munina by the sage, Suuktaya, well spoken, Gita, with words, Tum, to him, Aha, spoke, Bhagavan Sarva, Lord Shiva, Sarvaya, by his consort, Sarva, Uh, that is Sharva, his consort Sharva. This is the first time I remember seeing that name applied to Uma or Parvati. Cha and Abhinandita encouraged. The translation to this verse, Sutta Goswami said, Thus worshipped and glorified by the eloquent statements of the sage Markandeya, Lord, Lord Sharva, or Shiva, encouraged by his consort, replied to him as follows. Now, wait a minute. This is saying Lord Sharva is Lord Shiva. But in the... Oh, I see, I see. Uh, in the in the text we have Bhagavan Sharva, which is mean, that indicates Lord Shiva, and then Sharvaya by his consort. So sometimes Krishna uh, Krishna's um, uh, dis- devotee um, uh, Draupadi is known as Krishna. So here we see that Lord Shiva's cons- consort is Sharvaya. Whereas his name is is Bhagavan Sharva. Huh. Something new. Something new. I didn't even pick up on that earlier while I was preparing for this discourse. 
So uh, repeat with me, please. Asuta Goswami said, Thus worshipped and glorified by the eloquent statements of the sage Markandeya, Lord Sharva, or Shiva, encouraged by his consort, replied to him as follows. Text number 36. I'm going to, I'm going to struggle through the Sanskrit, um, verses for the next several and, uh, and then we'll read the translations. Kamo marhasye sarvoyam bhaktimam stvam marokshade akalpantad yasya punyam ajara marata tata. And translation to text 36, O great sage, and this is Lord Shiva speaking, because you are devoted to Lord Arhokshaja, all your desires will be fulfilled. Um, Arhokshaja. That's a name for Krishna. What does it mean? Uh, Krishna Kripa. Do you, do you recall? Arhokshaja. Arhokshaja, uh, for the, well, it's just in the translation of the word itself, it's for the transcendental personality of Godhead. But that word has a particular meaning. I just can't remember what it is. So, uh, let me go on with the translation. Until the very end of this creation cycle, you will enjoy pious fame and freedom from old age and death. And this is Lord Shiva addressing the sage Markandeya Rishi. All right, Krishna Kripapu is saying without the help of the microphone at his side that at Hokshadra he thinks means that one who is the giver of benedictions and sometimes Lord Jagannath is referred to as at Hokshadra, correct? So text number 37, Gyanam Troi Kalikam Brahmam Avigyanam Chabiraktimat Brahma Varchasvino Bhuyat Purana Charyatastute. Translation to text 37, O Brahmana, may you have perfect knowledge of past, present, and future. What is the, what's that term? What's the term for that? Tree. Tree Kaligya. Uh, past, Tree present, and future, along with transcendental realization of the Supreme, enriched by renunciation. You have the brilliance of an ideal Brahmana, and thus may you achieve the post of spiritual master of the Puranas. Text number 38. Sutta Uvacha Evambaran Tamunaye Datvagat Tricha Ishwara Deviai Tatkarma Katayan Anubhutam Puramuna. And translation to that text. Sutta Goswami said, and who is Sutta Goswami speaking to? Shonika Rishi. And indirectly then to the sages who are assembled in the forest of Namisharanya. Sutta Goswami said, having thus granted Markandeya Rishi benedictions, 
Lord Shiva went on his way, continuing to describe to Goddess Devi the accomplishments of the sage and the direct exhibition of the Lord's illusory power that he had experienced. So apparently, uh, uh, Lord Shiva knew about this, but maybe his consort, Parvati Devi, did not know what Markandeya had, had, uh, had encountered. So the next text is 39. Sopyavapta Mahayoga Mahima Bhargavottama Vicharatya Dunapyada Haras Ekantatam Gata. Translation to this text. Uh, Markandeya Rishi, the best of the descendants of Brigu, is glorious because of his achievements of perfection in mystic yoga. So let's let's note this point here. He's he's expert. His achievement in the perfection of mystic yoga. So he was very much practicing then mystic yoga, and it it must have been so attractive to him that he was able to meditate for millions and millions of years, even in his human form of life. He was able to meditate on. Mysticism, yogic mysticism. Now, I know that some of us here who are listening in have had an attraction to mysticism, yogic mysticism. Uh, I certainly was before I ever heard about Krishna consciousness. And this was a path that I hoped to pursue, but I couldn't find a good method for doing so and at the same time live a family life supporting my wife and my kids. So let's go on. Even today, he travels about this world fully absorbed in an unalloyed devotion for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So now that means that at some point in time, he, he, has, he has overcome his desire just for mystic perfections, which he apparently had obtained. And he's now very fully concentrated on service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That's a, that's a move of, of advancement as we understand it, going from the desire for mystic perfections or to enjoy the, the uh, experiences that one can have through yogic mysticism uh, to, until it get to the, gets to the point of serving the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in his original form. Text number 40. Anuvarnitam mitate Markandeyasya dimata Anubhutam bhagavato Maya vaibhavam abhutam Translation to text 40. I have thus narrated to you, this is Sutta Goswami saying, I have thus narrated to you the activities of the highly intelligent sage Markandeya especially how he experienced the amazing power of the Supreme Lord's illusory energy. Text 41. Etat kechid avid vamso maya samshritir atmana anadyavartitam rinam kadachitkam prachakchate Translation text 41, although this event was unique and unprecedented, it's talking about Mark and Day's experiences, some un- unintelligent persons compare it to the cycle of illusory material existence the Supreme Lord has created for the conditioned souls, an endless cycle 
that has been continuing since time immemorial. And Morgandeo's experience was not endless. Even though at the time he was experiencing it, it seemed probably endless. Like Kind of like our the time that we've spent in the hellish planet suffering for our past misdeeds. It seems like an eternity uh, that before we can get out and come back into some other form of life. Uh, but it does happen. And, and so uh, the, the, there seems to be an admonition here that we should not think of this, uh, of Mark and Dea's experiences, in terms of an endless cycle that has been continuing since time immemorial. There is a purport to this text, and I'll read that now, by the disciples of his divine grace, Shila Prabhupada. Mark and Dea is being drawn into the Lord's body by his inhalation. Remember the Lord was lying on the banyan leaf? Uh, and there was, amidst all the devastation, there was a little island, and on that little island there was a banyan tree, banyan tree, and uh, uh, owned the leaf. On one of those leaves was the Supreme Personality of Godhead in his baby form, and uh, Mark and Dea was attracted to that, uh, even though here was a baby sucking on his toe. And so he, he got close, and when he got close, of course, he was drawn into the body by the inhalation of the Lord. And that's what's being described here. Uh, so uh, his, uh, and being spelled again by his exhalation, should not be considered a symbolic description of the perennial cycles of material creation and, and annihilation. This portion of the Srimad Bhagavatam describes a real historical event. Talking about Mark and Dea's life now experienced by a great devotee of the Lord and those trying to relegate this story to mere symbolic allegory are here declared to be unintelligent fools. No no holds no holds barred here. That's the disciples of Srila Prabhupada making that statement. Those who are trying to relegate this story to mere symbolic allegory instead of actual fact are here declared to be unintelligent fools. Text number 42, and I think this is the very last one in the chapter. Sorry, I'm having trouble turning these pages. Yep, this is the very, very last text in the chapter. Uh, text number 42. Ya-e-vam-etan-brigavayavarnitam Ratanga paner anubhava bhavitam. Sam shravayet, sam shrinuyad utad ubau. Tayorna karmasaya, sam shritir bhavet. So you notice they changed the meter on that naratam, on that last, last verse in the chapter. We went from a, a very simple meter to this one. Translation, O best of the Brigus. Then he's talking now to uh, Shanakya. Shanakya, wasn't it? Uh, this is Sutta Goswami talking to Shanakya Rishi. This account concerning Markandeya Rishi conveys the transcendental potency of the Supreme Lord. Anyone who properly narrates or hears it will never again undergo material existence, which is based on the desire to perform fruitive activities. So, Sam, this is for you. You don't have to worry about anything in the future. Just read the Bhagavatam and chant Hare Krishna. you got nothing to worry about, buddy. 
and you're here, you're listening to philosophy, which others are doing right now at the very same time in all other parts of the world. People are hearing. Thus in the purports of the humble servants of his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada to the 12th canto, 10th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam entitled, Lord Shiva and Uma glorify Mark and Rishi. And I've just had to correct myself. I thought her name was pronounced Uma, but it's actually Uma, according to the diacritical marks here. Omagyana timirandasya gyananjana salakaya chakshurun militam jena tasmai shri gurave namah shri chaitanya manovishtam stapitam jena bhutale swayam rupah kadamaya dirati swavarantikam Everybody chant with me. Vande hum shri guru shri dutta parakamalam shri gurun vaishnavam sha. Shri Rupam Sagratatam Sahagana Raghunatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Savadvaitam Savaduttam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitam Sja He Krishna Karunasundo Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Taptakan Janagorangi Radhe Vrindavadeshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Adi Priye Vanchakalpatarubhischa Kripas Nubye Vachapatitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namonama Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nitanda Shri Advaita Karadha Shri Vasari Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Kantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Nama Om Vishnu Varaya Krishna Pristaya Bhutale, Srimate Tamal Krishna Gosamaniti Namane, Jai Shilvade. So I think it's appropriate here at the end of the chapter on the um, the chapter that is entitled Lord Shiva and Uma glorify Markandeya Rishi. It's appropriate that we should uh, maybe show some appreciation for the narrative of the life of Markandeya Rishi. Now one of one of the first things that we that I would suggest doing here is recalling the qualities of Markandeya Rishi. Uh, for one, he seemed to have the uh, uh, unique or, or what appears to be unique ability to control his mind and senses for for many 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 years more than we can imagine he was involved in meditation at his hermitage up in the uh, what is the northwestern part of the Himalayas uh, with a, a peak close by known as Chitra and there's a river also flowing close by and there were numbers of of saintly personalities also there staying close to him in that ashram. So he seemed to be very satisfied with the life of meditation on the Supreme Lord. And that's hard for us to imagine how anybody could have dedicated his entire life just to meditating on the Supreme Personality of God. So he must have been seeing something that was really extraordinary. And within his heart, within his mind, he must have been seeing some of the pastimes, but it appears 
that uh, it may be, maybe, and I'm, and I'm just suggesting here because I, I can't really back this up. I think he might, there might have been a little bit of impersonalism in his meditation. Now, it's said that he's a great devotee of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So whether he was ever just uh, slightly impersonal in his outlook on the Supreme Personality of Godhead, uh, it, he, he, had, he gained the audience of Nara Narayan Rishi, and then he went through that whole thing. That we, uh, he requested then a benediction of being able to experience the Lord's illusory energy. So then he had to go through that whole universal devastation within this universe. And he survived it. And then at the very end of his, of, of his, that experience, then he saw the Lord in the form of a baby, uh, uh, situated lying on a banyan leaf and sucking on his toe. Uh, and it, and I think I remember hearing it said, uh, either in the purports or in one of the texts, I can't remember that the, the Lord, uh, was, uh, so much, uh, uh, wondering about why people were so much attracted to his lotus feet. So he, w- he decided to suck on his own toe to find out what, what's so special about these feet of mine. <laughs> now, I don't know whether that's actually legitimate or whether that's my speculation or somebody else's speculation. But anyhow, it's an interesting thing because Krishna is so very personal that even when he appears as a baby, he does really amazing things, like a person, like an ordinary baby. I got a little baby at home right now. My my daughter Garungalila, her uh, youngest child now, just just a couple of three months old, something like that, a few months old, and and uh, he, and so he's you know he's learning all of where all of his limbs are. You know he's learning what he can do with his hands, besides just flail them in the air, and uh, occasionally he'll he'll reach down and grab his foot. Uh, so this is it's a very human-like characteristic of babies to do that. So the Lord does that too, but no baby that we know of by his inhaling can and can bring into his body a person who is standing in front of him as he did Mark and Dea. And when Mark and Dea was inside the body of the Supreme Lord after the Lord had breathed him in. Then he he sees all the universe. It, it reminded very very much of Mother Yashoda when when Krishna was blamed about for eating dirt by his brother Lord Ram Balaram came and said, "Mommy, mommy, Krishna's eating dirt." And so she calls Krishna there and then looks into his mouth to see whether he actually had any dirt in his mouth. And she sees the whole universe and she sees everything and she even sees herself holding baby Krishna within the mouth of baby Krishna. So uh, Krishna, is he's in no way ordinary, regardless of what form he takes in this material world. And similarly, the the devotee of Krishna, the strong devotee of Krishna like Markandeya Rishi, he is extraordinary. He has an extraordinary body that is able to last through uh, the flood, the devastating flood that covered Almost all of the universe, except for this one little island, apparently, where the banyan tree was. So uh, the the Lord is it's been said that Krishna is is unlimited, and Christ, and the devotional service that Krishna's devotees can render is also unlimited. So there's no limit to the devotional service 
that Krishna's devotees can do. And if you, and if you want an example of that, I suggest to you that you read uh, uh, Chasing the Rhino, Chasing the Rhinos with the with the Swami by uh, um, uh, what's his name? Sham Sundar by Sham Sundar Prabhu. Uh, because in in that you see that Sham Sundar and his and his friends, his group of people that were with him in uh, San Francisco, I believe, they decided to go to L- London where they could meet the Beatles, and the Beatles would help to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world. Well, he didn't know really. Sham Sundar didn't know how that would turn out, but when he got there, he did some very amazing things, like uh, like rebuilding that that building that they initially had access to. And putting these huge beams in that building to change the change the whole thing—it was amazing. And Prabhupada, when he saw it, said that um, uh, that they would they should put a plaque on the outside, a bronze or brass plaque on the outside, indicating that this has been built by Shamasundar Das. So, what what Krishna's devotees can accomplish? And, and we read the earlier part of that uh, chasing the rhinos. Uh, you see that uh, Shamasundar was and was just pretty much like any other ordinary hippie. He and Mother Malati both were very hippie-ish. But, uh, you know, that was just for a short period of their lives. And then when they met Srila Prabhupada, then the, the people that they were really began to appear. The persons that they were really began to appear. So it, it, it seems that some persons come into this world... Uh, doing what appear to be very ordinary things, uh, even like our spiritual master, Tamal Krishna Goswami. Uh, he, he came into this world and into a, what appeared to be a rather ordinary family. He had a number of ordinary experiences throughout his, the early part of his life, and then he meet Prabhup- met Prabhupada, and, and then everything changed. Everything changed. Within just a short period of a few years then, uh, he was able to accept the renounced order of life. And Prabhupada said something about uh, uh, tomorrow Krishna can go through fire. So, but he, he appeared to be a rather ordinary person when he first came into this material world. So we really, really can't judge people so much on what our eyes are perceiving and our ears perceiving about them. We look around us and we see what look, what appear to be very very ordinary persons sitting in the temple room right now. Uh, but once you get to know them and find out what they've been through and what they have, have the, you know, the progress that they made in their spiritual lives within a very short period of a few years, or in in some cases a few decades, still it's it's amazing that people were able to get give up their materialistic type of life. And so we see that the very similar thing has happened here with Mark and Daya Rishi. But he came in almost, well, practically speaking, a self-realized soul. It, it appears that he came into this world as a very, very advanced personality. And in spite of that, he had to stay in this material world and see what the Lord's material energy was like. So Krishna tends to facilitate the desires of, of a great soul. He gave the power of meditation for an inconceivable number of years to this person, Mark and Daya. He permitted the freedom to choose any benediction that he wanted when he appeared to him as in the form of Nara Narayan Rishi. And then he allowed the experience of this material world at its best, which means to say 
in the ashram that he was in. It is described as a very beautiful place, and he had he was surrounded by beautiful, uh, uh, saintly personalities. That that had to be the best that I can imagine this material world having to offer. And yet he also had to experience the very worst because he wanted to know what is the illusory, what's this illusory energy of the Lord like? He was, one might even say that he was already under the illusory energy of the Lord in his material forms that sitting there meditating, uh, in his ashram. You could say, you could say that he was, and I don't, I don't mean to denigrate at all the character of this personality. I'm just, I'm wondering in my mind, how is it that he came into this material world in the first place if he were not somehow attracted by the material world? So the Lord allowed him to see what this material world was like at its best and it, and its absolute worst, the devastating flood that he had to go through. So he granted him the strength to remain in that body that he had for a very long time. So we wonder about the reasons for such a birth and lifetime, and, and we consider it to be something of an irony um, that, the, uh, that the advanced consciousness could be present in a person who also might have had some kind of material desires. And that doesn't mean he had gross material desires like I've had in the past and continue to have. But rather, his material desires were something on a higher level. If he desired uh, yogic mysticism, that's a different level than gross physical pleasures. And it's not, it's not an easy thing to move from those gross physical pleasures to uh, enjoying life as a, as a mystic yogi. But that can also be a form of entrapment, can't it? Getting those mysticisms, those, uh, and being able to practice them because it, it can, you know, it, can, it, it they're so interesting. That mysticism, as I've heard it described in various literatures, not only within the Vedic literatures, but other literatures as well. Very, very interesting, very exciting, but also very dangerous. Very dangerous. You can lose your, you can lose whatever spiritual advancement you have made, and you can come back into this material world again, even after you have experienced the uh, the mysticism, yogic mysticism. That's our understanding. Even if you get liberation into the Brahman effulgence, which is called nirvana, uh, then uh, that also is not considered to be a permanent form of liberation. It is said that that's like uh, when you when you go into that state. You're like a little spark of light buzzing around with all these other little sparks of light. And it is said that the happiness that you experience in that state is exceedingly greater than any experience that you can have in this material body. That is a, it's a, a, a very pleasurable place to be. But you know, so is, is uh, taking heroin. I've been told. It's a very pleasant place to be. But just like taking heroin or taking some other intoxicant, LSD, or, 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 uh, or what, what's the mushrooms? Psilocybin. Yeah, psilocybin. Any, any of those pleasures which come, you know, they help to take us out of this, uh, the moment. It, it takes us away from the boredom and from the pain of our, our present lives in these material bodies. That's what those drugs do. Nirvana does the same thing. But it's, it's a little, lasts a bit longer. 
I don't know how long you can stay in that in that Brahma Jyoti. But eventually, because the the spirit soul uh, longs to have pleasure and longs to have association with others, then he's attracted back into this material out of the body. In other words, Srila Tamal Krishna Goswami said that it's very much like going up in an airplane by yourself and staying up in the airplane for quite a long time. But eventually, uh, even though you've been in, been in the airplane for maybe only two or three hours, you, 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 you get ready to have a little human companionship. Something nice to eat, you know, uh, maybe a shower <laughs> or something. And, and so it's not a place that you can stay permanently. So then you have to come back down. So we're wondering right now, what, what are the reasons for such a birth as this? We question the desire for experiencing Krishna's material energy. Why was he not satisfied, Mark and Dale? Why was he not satisfied with that meditation that he was experiencing? Because it had to be pleasurable for him to be able to do it for such a long time. We don't even get enough pleasure from chanting directly the names of Krishna that we can stay after it for more than a couple of hours. Many of us, if you're like me, that's where you are. And you struggle, you struggle to keep your mind focused on the names that you're chanting. So we wonder about that. What, what was the need for such an extended stay in this material world? And so finally, we, we, we appreciate the uh, mercy that is shown by Lord Shiva and the poverty. So even though Barkandeya has been, uh, has been, uh, uh, has encountered, has had come to him the forms of Nara, Narayan Rishi, and as my understanding, Nartam, is it true that uh, Narayan and Rishi are considered to still be in Buttarik Ashram? He says yes. So they're still still on the planet. Uh, and, of course, Lord Shiva and, and Parvati uh, Devi, uh, they're still around. They will probably be here for the until the total annihilation of this particular universe that we're in. So then, finally, we learned some lessons from the narration of Markandeya's adventures, just as is stated in this last verse, or in the um, final words. If I can turn again, once again, to the page. Yeah, this is the last text, this is the last statement by Sutta Goswami. O best of the Brigus, this account concerning Markandeya Rishi conveys the transcendental potency of the Supreme Lord. Anyone who properly narrates it or hears it will never again undergo material existence, which is based on the desire to perform fruitive activities. So that, that's an indication of what we've already heard in the Bhagavatam, that simply by reading the Bhagavatam, one can overcome uh, the desire for performing ordinary activities in this material world for sense gratification. So we understand from this narration that there is uh, the endurance of the of the material body can be for a very long time if Krishna wishes, and I should say not so much if Krishna wishes, but if his the person who inhabits that body wishes to remain a very long time, and he has the karma, the karmic reactions coming from his past activities that allow him to stay in that material body for such a long time. Then, uh, then it's possible. It's possible for the material body to last a very long time. 
And we also, we find it's possible to lose the desire to remain in the material world. It is possible to give up that desire. Because, you know, that's one, that's one quality that keeps us coming back again and again and again. Coming back into this material world is simply our desire to remain here. Like I've got so many things to be done yet. And I've got, and, and I have people that I want to be around forever and ever. You know, I, I love the people that I'm with. So why should I have to give those up? So, uh, we, we, uh, if we, if we do enough, make enough progress in our spiritual lives, then we begin to lose the desire to remain in this material world, at least for sense gratification. But now we can, even after our deaths, as I understand it, we can request that we come back into this material world to help re- retrieve all the other fallen souls who are here. And this was this seemed to be very much the attitude of Srila Prabhupada, that even though he, would, he did not have to come into this material world, he did not desire to come into this material world, he desired to please Krishna. And because he desired to please Krishna, therefore he came. He came, and he and he and he brought us. He brought us to this point that we're at today. So, uh, what do we say? Thank God for Prabhupada. So it's a very good thing then that we have that we have the good fortune to come into contact with a, a, a pure devotee of the Lord, and then not only a pure devotee of the Lord, but all of those other persons who are, have become purified by his association and those who are now becoming purified by the association with those persons who were directly with Srila Prabhupada. And we, it, it, it should not be surprising to us that we will see young people come into our temple or come into our association who make more rapid advancement than we make. Because some, for some reason or another, uh, they have they have made advancement in their previous lifetimes, which allowed them to come into the association of the devotees, the disciples, and the grand disciples of, of his divine grace, Shiva Prabhupada. And just like just like the, uh, it is said that um, uh, a piece of iron can take on all the qualities of fire when it's put in a blacksmith's forge. It can, it can, it can, in other words, a piece of dull, inert material like iron can, can become just like fire. It can take on those qualities just by being in the fire, just by being close to it. So we see also that there are persons who have come, who have come into this Krishna consciousness movement who have made a tremendous advancement in their spiritual lives just by being close to a person who was giving off light and heat. And that's Prabhupada. And that's not only Prabhupada, but Prabhupada's disciples as well. And by the way, it's, it, for those of us who are in, in the uh, International Society of Krishna Consciousness, uh, we don't accept that Prabhupada was the last guru for the age. We don't accept that. Because we see that Prabhupada had as much power to make disciples that would adhere to the principles that he was talking, that he was preaching, uh, as his spiritual master had. In other words, Prabhupada uh, uh, very fully imbibed the spiritual nature of his own spiritual master, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta. So we should not be surprised at all then that there, that some of the disciples of Srila Prabhupada and some of the disciples of his disciples 
are going to take on that same kind of mood of wanting to spread Krishna consciousness that Srila Prabhupada had and has and has. We're convinced that Prabhupada is somewhere in this, maybe in this material world, but not only is he in the material world, but he's also in the spiritual world. We, we heard about those in, in instances, didn't we, in which Srila Prabhupada would, would lose, uh, consciousness of his physical presence here and he would he would go somewhere else and you know when he came back then uh it, it was it was obvious then that he had been into a place that was of a great pleasure a place where he could actually be with the supreme lord so not only is it possible to become advanced in spiritual life here, but we can come back into this material world if we desire to please our own spiritual masters, if we desire to please the Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and we desire to please Radha and Krishna. We can come back into this material world, and we don't resent having to come back. We know that it's a dangerous place. We've learned that in this lifetime. And whatever we have, whatever advancement we have made, whatever knowledge that we have gained in this lifetime is going to carry through with us to a future lifetime as well. Whatever, uh, Krishna states in Bhagavad Gita, doesn't he? Whatever state of consciousness we have obtained at the time of our departure from these bodies, uh, to that state we will attain without fail. So whatever whatever progress that we make in this lifetime, even if we don't become perfected beings like Mark and Rishi, still we have that example that it, it can be done. Even if it isn't not completed in this lifetime, still Krishna promises that if we don't make it out in this lifetime, we will certainly take birth in a much better situation in our next lifetime in which we don't have to spend 10, 15, 20, 30 years of our lives before we come into contact with devotees of the Lord, as some of us had to do in this lifetime. What a pity. What a waste of time. And we can also say that it, similarly that Mark and Dea's experience with the illusory energy of the Lord was a waste of time. He could have been spending all that time serving lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But again, who am I to speak in a, in a negative way about Barkindaya Rishi? Uh, I, I can't imagine that even in many lifetimes I would ever reach the point of perfection that he has reached. So we realize the impermanent nature of any material solution that we might want to gain uh, and, you know, to help us to become happy. It's, it's, it's totally impermanent, the, the nature of this material world. So it means we're not going to be able to stay in it forever. We will have to leave it. And we want to take the most direct path to the spiritual world. Anybody who's come into contact with Srila Prabhupada and his teachings or with Srila Prabhupada's disciples understand that uh, taking directly to the service of the master of the mystics, Lord Sri Krishna, uh, is the best way to get out of this material world and get back into the spiritual world. So you no longer have to struggle by going up the ladder or taking the staircase. You can get on the elevator. And so that's where we've, that's where we've come to now. That's, that's the position that we're in in this material world now, is that we have in front of us, uh, we have a choice. We can make a spiritual advancement by the slow process, or we can take the fast process. And so what Prabhupada has taught us is don't waste your time. Don't waste your time fooling around in this material world. Uh, spend whatever time you have left, whatever youth you have left, 
spend it trying to find a way to serve the supreme personality of Godhead. And if you do that uh, by reading the Srimad Bhagavatam or by hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam or by chanting the names of the Lord with great attention, uh, you can you can you can actually have that association, and you can make progress so that by the end of this lifetime, you don't you're not forced to come back into this material world. If you come back, it's only because you're wanting to do so to serve your spiritual master and to serve the supreme personality of God. Hare Krishna. Samuel is telling us that it's time to go for prasad. But does anybody have any questions? Before you go, or any um, comments? So yeah, Krishna Kripa, just complete just a, with microphone. With microphone, just a, just a quick comment. Um, it, it is an interesting um, question. Why would Mark and Rishi want to experience the illusory energy? It's interesting to me. And and it's not that he wanted to take birth within the material world, because he's, you know, it describes two very important things. One that you brought up was that he was having a conversation with Narayan Rishi, with, with Narayan himself, when he asked. Um, and that, and, and Narayana, upon that request, said, well, Markandeya, you know, you're already fixed in your mind that you're offering worship with the most wonderful paraphernalias that you're creating within your mind. So even Narayana knew his ultimate spiritual position as as not part of this material world. Um, but Prabhupada describes the Saptarishis, the seven great sages, as all having a slightly different take on Vedantic conclusion according to their realizations because every person is an individual. Every soul is an individual. We're not ever going to be all the same anything even though we're made up of the same spiritual energies. You know? So, uh, basically, I like to give Markandeya credit for being a, a Gani as opposed to an impersonalist. And just was inquisitive, because how many opportunities do you have to have a conversation with Narayan where you can ask him, you know, there's, there's one thing I don't quite get, is how does the living entity get so illusioned by your illusory energy that they t- simply forget you? How does that happen? So, I, I, like, I like your analysis there that he, he was a jnani rather than an impersonalist. Yeah, and again, I'm not saying I'm correct, but it's just it just kind of within, within my mind, I, I kind makes, of makes see it in that way. Because he asked, "Can I? I want to experience your illusory energy." He didn't say, "I want to be a materialist and I have desires." He didn't say any of that. And already he's fixed, you know. But um, so Krishna, but he is interested him. in Krishna mysticism. Allowed him, even though he wasn't very happy. It was described when Vaisheshika gave class. Krishna smiled ruefully, like in a concerned way. Like, wow, I really don't want to... This is not on Narayan, right? That form of Krishna. Yeah, yeah, Narayan. So, I mean, it's like a parent to their child. There are things their children ask for that they're responsible enough to do, but you don't really want them to go out and do it. But you'll let them because... That's what parents do. They have to experience things. So, again... It's your choice. Your choice, Bubba. Yeah, Narayana wasn't particularly happy 
But he asked in a very nice, and he asked the Lord himself, so that ultimately he would be still, he still felt himself under the protection of the Lord. And he thought it wouldn't be such a bad idea. But, you know, the Lord has its own, um, his own way of presenting his various energies. And you notice he didn't, he didn't take him to the heavenly planets and let him see the pleasures that are there. He threw him into the middle of this devastation, this devastating ocean with waves that reached the sky. You know, everything was bleak. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't even say that during that time he was meditating on the Lord. It just simply says he suffered miserably. Whereas it sounds like he's had, struggling to survive. But as as you said, he still got darshan of Krishna, was inhaled into his body, saw the entire universe in the body of Krishna, and then was exhaled back out. And he saw the Supreme Lord in his very personal and and an astounding form as a baby, floating, is, is, around, is, floating around also yeah, well, in that same devastation. Isn't it interesting that that what it took him maybe millions of years to see and going through all of that physical difficulty, our children come and they see on the altar sometimes the uh, you know Mark and Chor, the butter thief. Yes. Little baby Krishna with with a handful of butter or yogurt, and even in in their in their childlike states, they they can appreciate that. Or see they see that in their houses. Some people have the little form of Krishna as the butter thief in their houses, and and the children see that, and they're seeing that from their very births practically. And yet, Mark and Daya, Rishi had to had to go for a very very long time before he was able to see this form of Krishna as a baby. <laughs> go ahead, please. No, that that's pretty much that's just the, the, that's what I had to say. Just just to add to that because it's it's a very contemplative story, and then we see that here Lord Shiva himself comes and glorifies him and praises him for being him. And for going through this. How easy it to, is it to see Lord Shiva? Not easy at all, is it? Yeah. And yet Lord Shiva, then uh, he, he promises him so much uh, so much opulence in this material. You know, I can't understand why Mark and Dad didn't say to Lord Shiva, no, 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 don't, don't benedict me that I'll be able to have a long, pleasant lifetime in this material world. Just, just let me let me go back to where this person is that I saw on the banyan leaf. I want to check that out. Well, you know, you have to receive and and accept gifts and give gifts and things like that. It's it's also reciprocation. And as a sage, that's I mean, neither one of them have anything that they're attached to, but they have everything they possibly could use. Lord Shiva has a very opulent scenario, but he, you know, covers himself in ashes and a garland of skulls and doesn't take any value in any of his stuff. That's an interesting irony too, isn't it, <laughs> isn't it Krishna Kripa, that, that persons worship Lord Shiva or worship Parvati uh, uh, to, to get some material benediction, some material opulence, sure. and yet Lord Shiva is sitting on under a tree uh, with cover his body covered with ashes, and around him he's got all these ghouls and and you know ghosts and hobgoblins, yeah. 
as his followers. And these are all people that made bad choices in life. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, somehow or other, somehow or other, even though they might have the body of a ghost or a hobgoblin, they're there in the presence of Lord Shiva. So, you know, this karma thing is really a mixed bag, isn't it? You, you know, you get you get what you deserve. You always get what you deserve, and you sometimes get what you desire. And it, and as far as I know, there's nowhere where it says Lord Shiva was trying to deliver these people into Vaishnavas either. They just served him. You know, and that is purifying for them. That brings them to higher levels. Just like we can't see anyone not serving Krishna, mm. because Krishna is within our heart. Ultimately, we all have love of God. We just don't have an understanding of what that means. We have it. It just has to be woken up, and it has to be woken up with proper knowledge. Hmm. That was Srila Prabhupada's mission, and he did it. He actually took this all over the world. It's, it's incredible, the, the, you know, the kind of compassion these personalities actually have. I mean, Mark, at other times we see that Lord Shiva and they like Chitta Ketu, they're, they're joking with each other. You know, they, 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 they're normal. And, and you know, we, we, they do things we understand. We, we, we don't have to hold them at some mystical, elevated position in terms of the fact that they still have relationships and friends and you joke amongst your friends and often your wife doesn't get that same joke that you're joking around with your friends and therefore you end up getting cursed and, you know, things happen. <laughs> It's all over the Bhagavatam. Things happen, but how does and how often and how perfectly Krishna can correct it? That's the Bhagavatam. It's not that we don't make mistakes, but Krishna helps us to... But he's, he's willing to let us just wander around in this material world as long as we want to, just trying to find, squeeze out a little bit more happiness. Why not? We're here, right? What else are you going to do? Speaking of <laughs> speaking of Lord Shiva and Parvati, uh, you you mentioned them. They have what seem to be like rather ordinary relationships. Well, here's Lord Shiva sitting there with Parvati on his lap, and he's he's in he got all of these saintly persons around him, and he's sitting there speaking words of wisdom to them. And here's uh, Chitraketu, was it, who was flying overhead in a in a flower airplane or whatever it was the demigods used. And he sees that, and and he chuckles about it. He laughs about it because he thinks, here is Lord Shiva, the most exalted personality, sitting there with his consort on his lap, and he's surrounded by saintly persons. This is this is pretty far out. And of course, Parvati, you know, at least on the surface, took some offense to that, and cursed him to come back as a, as a demon. But even in the form of that demon, whom I think uh, King Indra eventually killed, he he was speaking words of wisdom to King Indra while they were fighting, while they were in the midst of the fighting. So Parvati has arranged something for Chitraketu to get out of this material world by taking the body of a demon and then having to having to preach to King Indra, the, you know, who is considered to be the most powerful personality other than Lord Brahma. So yeah. then we should accept that even demons are Vaishnavas and be compassionate. Even demons can be Vaishnavas. And, who and at least they demons. exhibit some of those Vaishnavas. Just like, um, I think it was Dharma the other day, brought up, or, or either Dharma, no, Nartham brought up the other day that 
that when Shamasunda went to New York to build the Rathiatra cart, they used an empty lot that belonged to Donald Trump. He he told him, yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead and use that. It was nearby the temple. So he said, yeah, use it, build your carts, have a religious festival, why not? Now, no one would think he's capable of doing that now, but who knows? He did some great service to allow the building of the Rathiatra cart. And up to that point, besides the, the London and the Beatles and etc., that was one of the greatest accomplishments to Srila Prabhupada when he saw those carts rattling down, you know, Fifth Avenue, Fifth Avenue in yep. New York. And it was devotees, so many devotees. The Radhadamadar vans were in the parade. There were carts. There were thousands and thousands of people on the street. It just, it was like the epitome of our, our acceptance within that, that segment of the material world. It was, it was astounding to see Jagannath do that. And it's enjoyable to hear. I hear I've heard it before, and I, it was Naratam yesterday when he gave class. And uh, he's talking about how how it took up the entire width of the of the street. Yeah, they were built custom to that to what they had. But he said now now they've got it confined so that you can't take up the entire width of the street with the, with a parade. I think that was what he was saying. So to hear the, hear those Sandra things coming coming from Naratamananda. Or huh? to hear them coming from Shamasundar, you know, it's just pleasant. It's just very pleasant things. And hear hear about the experiences. You you came and sat with me a few days over at my house, or sat with me for a little while over at the house, and you were talking about things that have happened in the past. You know, in your experience, seems like devotees who've been around for ten, fifteen, twenty years. You know, they begin to have some experiences that are extraordinary. Well, just like in, in glorification of the devotees, that, that's something that's very current. Mother Parvati just departed from this world in Vrindavan. And one of our God sisters brought up, that, Rati Manjari, brought up the, the, the glories of this children's Krishna book. Right? Which was written, the first one, because she's got these really precocious little kids running around driving her nuts. And so she wrote these Krishna books so that she could read them to her children. And Mahari Prabhu was the first illustrator in that first book. Those are all his pictures, practically. He, he drew them and, and really? colored them and everything. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he's so, I mean, they, yeah, welcome to History 101. If you live long enough, you got stories to tell. And if you live long enough in Krishna consciousness, you tell other people's stories rather than your own. It's very nice. But yeah, this all happened right here. The first edition was done right here in Yeah, I remember uh, in, I in remember. Texas. You know, when I first saw that announcement, Gopi Gita posted on uh, uh Kalachandi family, I think, uh, on WhatsApp. Uh when I first saw that I thought uh Prabhupada's disciple Parvati and but you know, it did not occur to me that this was the person who had been here in our community for quite some time. Until I, until somebody else made a comment about uh, this is, I think Dharma Prabhu made a comment, or someone made a comment that uh, yeah, I remember this person being in our community. Yeah, she lived where Megarupa lives. Now, Megarupa. She was also. She and her husband also lived in this house right here, right here where Yogi and his wife were living. That one, yeah. After that, when she first came, she they were they she came. Prasanama Prabhu was staying in the ashram, and he was helping manage some things. What was his name? Prasanatma. Uh, Prasanatma. Prasanatma. 
was her husband's name. I, I remember him, but I didn't. I and he was managing him. here under Gurudev, Tamal Krishna Goswami. And then she came with her two kids. And he, since he was living in the ashram, they came over because I was living in that house too. As we, we were joking with Megarupa, everybody's lived in that apartment over there in that little duplex. But uh, so she came, and uh, this was just after I got married. So I, I, we stayed together for about two weeks. My wife and I stayed in the back bedroom, and then they had the house, mm-hmm. um, the rest of it. And then uh, we left and went to Houston, and she stayed there. And then gradually, they got the other house across the street. But you know, yeah, that's all happened here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing. The Gurukul started here, still going on. Been through some changes, been through some struggles. Still here. Prabhupada wanted this school here, and it's still here. It's still going on. So you know, we don't, uh, we, you and I don't necessarily consider ourselves to be, you know, pioneers such as uh, Shamba Sundar was, being one of the first six or eight or ten people who ever joined Srila Prabhupada and helped him out. Uh, but uh, when when we first came here to this community, and, and I've said this before in, in, in here, uh, all of these buildings around here that the temple acquired and to which the devotees moved, into which the devotees moved, they were they were horrible. This very house that you're talking about that you stayed in and Mother Parvati and her children stayed in over here, uh, Maternat Prabhu bought that house and gave it to the temple uh, using money that he had acquired from selling his house back in Nashville, Tennessee. He actually bought that house and gave it to the temple. And and he said that uh, when the little old lady moved out of that house and, and he walked in there, uh, he was in there for a few minutes and he felt something kind of itching in his legs. And he looked down, his both legs were completely covered with fleas. This lady had been living in there with old dirty carpeting and there were and kept cats and and I don't know dogs, I don't know, I think it was cats that she kept in there. And, and it was... It was, and, and this was just one kind of situation. So we talk about the, the austerity that Mark and Dea Rishi had to perform. He had the body and he had the intelligence to deal with that. We cannot, we cannot even imagine ourselves being in the situation that he was in. So we wonder, well, what can we do to become renunciants? You know, what can we do? What kind of sacrifice can we perform? But we all we have to do is look back, uh, you know, to the nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty, and think about the time when the when the temple under the leadership of Tamal Krishna Goswami was buying up properties around here, and I remember Rameshwar Maharaj came out from uh, from the BBT in in Los Angeles. He came out here and he walked around the community with Tamal Krishna Goswami, and his advice to our spiritual master was. Buy as much of this property as you can possibly get. So, whenever one of these buildings, it was the one that uh, lived, that was in the place where Rasaraj is now living. Um, the, it, there was a couple that lived there, and I think that to purchase that property, we we paid something like um, to oh, maybe twenty thousand dollars. Twenty thousand, twenty five. And it was one of the most expensive properties that we bought around here. There was one over here behind the temple. You know, remember there were about three or four houses down Graham Avenue, right behind the temple, where the parking lot is now. And they were just little hovels. And, and, I painted and one, them all. One of them we paid, I remember we paid about six thousand dollars for. And that was, you know, it was like, like a 
practically a waste of money. But now look at what property values are doing around this around this place now. So we went through a time period in which uh, 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 our our austerity was simply living here, and our wives and our children. And and all of us had to perform the austerity. If one of us performed the austerity and the others decided to stay also, then everybody performed the austerity. So whatever spiritual advancement we might have made in this lifetime, a lot of it, I think, came in, in the form of our accepting uh, renunciation at that time. Well, we can also add to that that we did what our spiritual master asked us to do. Stay did here we? and develop this community. That's the only you reason. guys are still all here, you know. That's the I only mean, reason. Jeeva is going on to preach all over the, the Southwest, but but uh, he still tweedles through here on a regular basis. His kids' family still live around the area. I mean, it's like you stayed. You just did what your spiritual master asked you to do. You simply stayed. You, you know? tried to. You know, a lot of times we uh, we you know we made an attempt and we failed, and then we stayed and made another attempt, and eventually, somehow or other, we were able to continue staying here. But the renunciation that Mark and Dave, we can't Im- we can't imagine a person being that renounced. We don't have to be. This is way we're in Kali Yuga on Earth. You know, this is Mark and Dave re- lives for. I mean, like the, the calculation of four hundred and. 432,000 years is 1,000 celestial years. So Mark and Dea lives practically eternity. He's one of the eternal rishis that come here when the universe is formed. So he's here for, for yuga after yuga after yuga, you know, pretty much as long as Brahma's here. So... You know, these are these are personalities that, that we don't even need to think about coming to that level. But we learn, as Rupa Goswami said, this idea of yukta rayaraga. We use what we have to carry out the order of our spiritual master, and that's our choice. And it's not an easy choice because we see there's still not a lot of people compared to how many people live in the the Metropax, how many devotees are living here in the community of, of the temple? It's still a very finite um, number. A pittance, a mere pittance. Yeah. So anyway, Kantaraj, Shiman Vagotam Ki Jai. Are you calling an end to the class, uh, Krishna Krupa? I got to drive back to Houston and I just if indulge me for one moment. I'd like to thank all the wonderful devotees in this community for uh, hosting me for a good portion of uh, 2019. I've been here longer than I've been at home. And uh, thank you very much for making my 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 uh, service here welcomed and, and my participation in the community something that that I was very happy with, that, that it, it, it went so nicely and, and devotees and Krishna seemed to be very happy. At least that's what the devotees keep telling me. So we feel a debt of gratitude to Mother Chandravali that she would invite you to come and help out. Uh, wonderful devotees. 
they they engages Hare Krishna. Thank you again to the community. All glories to the assembled devotees.